Hello and welcome to episode 29 of Behind the Journey. This is a show where myself and Sam Spencer discuss all the things going on in my business journey. Today we talk about what's the biggest question I hope people ask me, my Daniel Priestley event, and my trip to Leeds. I'm at my Right, so this week's been, uh, it's going like really slow actually, which sounds bizarre because I've done a lot. So Monday, me and Brad went to Leeds to speak to someone who we want to have as our um, business development director. Um, then yesterday I went to Daniel Priestley's Key Person of Influence, Influence event, which as you all know, listening to this podcast, is one of my favorite books. So I basically went through Daniel Priestley's funnel Um both to understand more about what he does, but also I'm really interested in people's funnels right now. So basically, you know, you buy the book, Key Person Influence. The back page of the book, it says, come and visit one of my Key Person Influence days. Paid like 50 quid or something like that. Go to the event, and he talks to you for four hours, and then he tries to get you on one of these, um, what do you call them? Strategy sessions, which are 20 quid to go to charity. And then I assume he sells you a course. But... Beside that, beside the funnel, beside the sales pitch, I thought it was really good. It was really, really interesting. Um, the thing I found most weird, actually, is it was quite good if you were there, Sam, actually. It was, there was loads of people who were being so ridiculous with personal branding and key personal influence that it was actually awkward. Do you know what I mean? Well, do you mean people taking it too far? Or? Well, obviously, people have podcasts and people do bits and bobs, but, like, like I, when you're in an event like this, they always say, oh, turn on your LinkedIn nearby feature and you can see people around, around you. So I turned it on, and let me read some of the messages I had received from just doing that. I thought you were going to say that you got a thing where someone was like, "Yeah, I've been uh, just had a GoPro on my head for eight hours." Oh no, there was none of that. Like you know, the whole like you doing your thing was was still like further than most. But great to connect. What what are you enjoying about the day so far? What's been the biggest takeaway so far from K- KPI? That was during the event. They didn't have even finished something like that. Then I got another one. Hi Peter, I noticed you were nearby me. Are you at the dent event? This is just fucking desperate. And this morning, I received one saying, "Hi Pete, I said on Instagram. Hi Pete, how did your how did you enjoy the KPI event yesterday in London? And what was your biggest takeaway?" Now these are all digital marketing people, so they're obviously trying to sell to me. I suppose a bit weird. And I'm just saying, and there's people who go to these events and they'll go and network and they'll shake a lot of hands. Up. I'm I'm supposed to the geese next to me, <laughs> like. But the reality is, like, I'm just going to go enjoy the enjoy the event and leave. Like, I don't want to be sold to. I don't want you to. Harass me. I don't, I don't, this is the thing that really annoys me when people come across as like nice and like, oh, everything was great. And you know, deep down at the bottom yeah. of that, it's going to be like, please buy my course. I can show you how to do, be a KPI yourself. I can do what Daniel's going to sell you for four grand. Like, I just think it's really weird. Well, you can tell that that initial thing of how did you find the event? They don't, they don't care they at don't all. They don't care. You don't know who I am. You don't care. You're not here to network. You're here to sell to me. At some point, I might, I might do this for the, uh, for the next podcast and reply to all three of them and see what they try and sell me. It'll be a waste of time because they will try and sell me. But it's just like when being helpful comes across, it's okay to be helpful, right, if you just mean to be helpful. But when you're being helpful with the undermined reason to sell something, I think it's weird. I think it's just odd. And uh, that's exactly what it was. One of the things that I found found quite interesting actually at the event was um, he has this notion of, he calls it proximity bias. It's this theory where when you're too close to something, you can't see if it's good, bad, or otherwise, or indifferent. Uh, and he says that basically every business owner has got proximity bias. So whatever they're doing, they think is fine. And he gave this story that he was wherever he was, and he climbed a mountain, and he got to the top of the mountain. 
And it was amazing view, the most amazing beautiful time. And he looked across and he started speaking to his tour guide saying, oh, what's that mountain like? And he was like, oh, it's a nice mountain. Like it takes, you know, 10 hours to get up there. You've got to leave it at 12 a.m. He's like, oh, what's that mountain like over there? And he's like, oh, it is a nice mountain, la, la, la. And then he asked about another one and the tour guide just put his arm around him and just said, just enjoy the mountain you're on. Like you're on a mountain, like you, you've, you've got proximity bias. You, you're not seeing the great thing you're currently on because you're always looking at the next thing. And it's all about kind of just appreciating what you've got and what you're working for and, and understanding that maybe sometimes, and this is just probably the sales pitch, it's good for someone else to look at what you've got as well to see how you're doing and where you're going. But I thought that was quite interesting because I think there's a lot of areas in everyone's life and business where you have proximity bias, where you think that things aren't going well or things are going really well, but in reality, it's because you're so close to it, it's, it's distorting your actual view. And this is probably the reason why I think business partners are so great because you can't have proximity bias on their thing and they can't have it on your thing. So whatever you're doing, they can always walk in and be like, actually what you're doing is pretty shit right now. Like, please stop. This is terrible. Um, and I think that angle of things is really beneficial, which is why people promote coaches so much and why uh, I I pr- suppose I promote uh, business, own, uh, business partnerships so much. But it was a good event. Um, probably worth going to if you're kind of in that, realm of wanting to do the whole key person of influence thing um the reality is you probably if you read the book or listen to it through blinkist and you listen to a few of these podcasts you probably got it anyway i was about that was one of the things yeah. i was about to touch on is that was there actually anything from the event that you took away that was a into like key person of influence wise that you didn't know before or is it very much a four-hour lecture about his book it was a two-hour. It was a, it, well. It was about an hour lecture and about an hour sales pitch and about two hours of case studies. To be honest, it was decent. Um, the one thing, the only thing he said where he developed from the book was he said that ten years ago when we did the key person influence, it was about becoming almost like a micro celebrity in your space and selling things. He now says that he thinks the main return on investment from a key person influence is becoming a deal maker, um, someone that people want to do deals with, and then you go out and sort it out. So. You know, maybe someone goes up to him and goes, oh, hi, Dan, I, I need 20 grand. Like, because he's a key person influence, people are going to go to him to get the deal done. Or if he goes, oh, hi, Dan, I've got a million followers on Instagram, like, what should I do? Like, people are going to go to him because he's the key person influence. And it's about being a deal maker and pulling your different contacts together to making deals happen. And he thinks that's the where the, the key person influence works now. Um, because he said there's so many keep a people of influence now it's about having a real kind of ownership in one space yeah it's like building your own stature so that people come to you yeah people want to come to you which i think is a nice little spin um sorry about the camera wobbling there i was playing my phone i was, just, I was doing this see that sorry, sorry. <laughs> Actually, what's the, would the gimbal hold that pretty much i don't know it, it might wobble a little yeah so everybody's listening to the podcast the actual audio version the real version i call it and not the people listen to the fake version the video i just wobbled my hand playing my phone it Wobble the mic, wobble the camera. So apologies for that side, uh, side swipe. But um, one of the things I've been really interested in looking at at the moment is meetings. Um, I'm really intrigued through meetings. I think it's because we're about to bring in this this business development guy, um, and he just talked about conversion rates of meetings and what's bringing meetings and how to run the best meetings, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And I've been looking at meetings in some serious detail. So here's some here's some cool stats that you might be able to take away from home and learn from these. Did you know, Sam, right, the optimum number of people to have in a meeting is seven? What? Of so you and seven others. Any what, more from, than that? from one side or from both sides? Don't know. Don't know that. I oh, know okay. that seven I, people. Because I was going to say, because I mean, I think seven people from one side talking to X amount from another mm. seems a bit overwhelming. Oh, seven, no, eight up in the whole room. 
So you and seven. Eight in the, so yeah. seven in the room. Yeah. Because the reason you do that is apparently when it goes more than seven, people don't get as involved. They like it's like when you're in a classroom at school where you know you're not going to answer the question because there's 14 other people in the room that are going to do it for, for you. For me, that sounds like more than like four or five to be honest. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I'd rather have four. But the stat was after seven, it plummets. Another cool stat. Apparently, um, one of the biggest issues with meetings is people's moods, which you obviously you'd understand. If mm-hmm. people are coming in on a bad mood, the deal's not going to go well for you. So they were saying that when in your meeting room, you should have a different noise or a different piece of music than what's in everywhere else to disrupt the flow of thought. So let's say you're in the main office and it was, I don't know, ABBA, and then you walked into um, the meeting room and it was like Post Malone. The the disruption of the music would disrupt the mood of you currently in that space, and therefore you'd have a better, you know. I reckon that means that in the meeting room we should just have like classic said, cheesy hits. I because said to Brad because it just puts a smile on people's face, yeah. doesn't it? I said to Brad, I said Brad because uh, he's building a we're getting a, a music system around the whole office, mm-hmm. and I said, but I want a separate one in the meeting room. He's like, why? And I gave him this. Why didn't you just go to do Sonos instead of like anything? We else? are doing Sonos, yeah. And I'm getting an Alexa in the meeting room because they play different music, can't we then? So yeah, so that, that's that's happening. The other one is is apparently um, having nibbles and sweets and stuff and having different tastes disrupts mood flow. So if you've got really annoyed clients walking in and they have different break of, of music and they have something to eat, it apparently disrupt the whole flow. And it's a, it's a positive. All sounds like expenses as well, though. <laughs> yeah, it all, all sounds like someone just trying to flog some stuff. And what was the, the big one was... Um, oh yeah, the big one was the person who speaks most in a meeting believes the meeting's gone best. So you should always try and get them to speak more than you because then they perceive in their head they've, they've had a bigger upside. Well, yeah, I feel like if the person you're speaking the most, they feel the most involved. Yeah. And I think if you feel the most involved, you feel like you've done a good job. Yeah, and, that, and that's basically what it said. It essentially said that, you know, the person that speaks the most has the biggest upside. So you better hope it's one of them. Yeah, and, but <laughs> there's, there's this thing that I've always been thinking about, and it, it briefly mentioned it when I was looking into this, is that I've always had the inclin- inclining. Inkling, is that the right word? Inclination. Inclination, we'll go with that. Didn't do very well English, as you can probably tell. Um, actually, with my English, I got a C, GCSE, right? Mm-hmm. But I was on course for a D, right? And the woman took me aside, Mrs. Short. She said, look, Pete, just got to smash it out in that last six months. Try and get you, try and get, try and get your C, and I got a C. C minus, but I got the C. Was it because of her, or did you just... Uh, copy the kid next to me. No, no. <laughs> no um, I don't know. Maybe I, maybe I was crap all on purpose, so it looked like I was... Maybe I went for the fall down so I could show the come up. You see what I'm saying? Maybe I went for the... I'm really bad at uh, English, so I could actually look like I've improved. I don't know why you're saying maybe, because you surely you should know what you did. <laughs> I don't know. I was just a little kid at school, did my <laughs> thing. I remember also when I did French. Um, I might have told this story already. I can't remember. Um, I was in the bottom set for French, and... Um, Obviously, C's a pass, right? And uh, everyone in that whole group was scheduled, was predicted a D. Apart from me, I was predicted a C. And uh, the woman, I can't remember her name, she said to me, she was like, Pete, look, you're, you're, you're the inspiration of these guys because you're, you're the one driving for the C. They, we need them to get a C as well. Basically, she was like, you're our only hope, right? <laughs> I got a D, failed it. <laughs> Sorry. And, and did everyone else? No, my mate, Birdie, he got a C. He was the only one that got a C. So he was called course for D, but got a C. But yeah, I failed that one. Not very good language subjects. Anyway, the point was, I don't know how I got into that. Anyway, the the thing I was looking into was like, there's this thing called parking. I think it's called Parkinson's law, and basically it's a law that says whatever length of time you book in for a meeting is the length of time it takes. So there's basically so many billions of hours wasted 
in the world of meetings where a meeting actually could only take 20 minutes but you book in an hour therefore it takes an hour that makes sense and he basically was saying that if you make if you have one meeting and you put in 20 minutes it will take 20 minutes if you put it in for an hour that same meeting will take an hour because when you've only got less time you cut all the crap that you don't need in that meeting and therefore you have a more efficient meeting well, I remember that not so long ago, we decided that we were going to switch up to only have half an hour long meetings. Mm-hmm. Like we, had, we had a massive thing about it because you were doing these half an hour phone calls instead of hour long ones. And you realized you were getting exactly the same, same thing done. information. The only thing you didn't get is the handshake. Mm. But everything else was there. But whenever you book a meeting with someone, it's really weird. This is the thing that it's, it's almost like this. Um, the truth has come out, which is like when you book a meeting with someone, you book an hour. It's like it's almost like you've got to actually sit there and go. It's only a half an hour meeting. It's like anything other than an hour is weird. That's the problem you've got with society. It's like society has said that if you have a meeting, that meeting is going to take an hour. I feel like a lot of people, almost, not quite waste time, but they they want that little 15, 20 minutes of just talking to each other like casually. I mean, I'd love to see the stats on like the actual, and if anyone has this, please send it across. Of the stats of like half an hour meeting with no personal relationship talk conversation. Like you sit down and you go, hi Pete, let's start versus an hour of 15 minutes of how's, how's your life, how's the kids, how's the wife, and then ending of 15 minutes of what are you going to do for the rest of the day then, which is basically how an hour meeting goes, yeah. versus half an hour of just straight convo. I'd love to see like the conversion rates, the actual data, the you know all that stuff and see if it actually makes any difference because I think that, that's, the, that's the interesting part when it comes to the data, which like, let's try, but maybe I should be the data source for this. Maybe I should pull this data. I feel like, company branding wise having that 15 minutes on it on like the tail end and the start it probably builds the company's brand as like oh this person actually cares about me and they're asking mm. me questions even if it they are just general top line questions yeah. that you don't really care about the answer to mm. whereas if you stick to these half an hour meetings where it's pure content they i think that they'll appreciate and they'll respect the fact that it's work first but they also i don't think they'd be bought into your, your company as much because mm. you're, you've not got that personal connection on top of the corporate yeah i agree and that actually goes into another thing i was thinking about the other day you know uh, ages ago about um, six weeks ago now i said oh we're about to sign our biggest deal ever like from someone who recommended it through the podcast or the vlog or something and uh i don't think that deal's gonna go through i haven't told you this yet i don't even know which one it is i can't, okay, I've well, I can't mention it on, on air that's fine but um I don't think it's going to go through and because I've done this, this the fatal error, right? So we got called in for a pitch in London. We went down. Four or five of us went down. We smashed the pitch. Um, five people in the room, all in the marketing department. And they were like, yeah, amazing, Pete. We want to work with you. Uh, we negotiated the deal. The deal was signed off. And this is where it goes downhill from here. So then, you know, yep, happy to go away, Pete. Then they went on holiday because uh, for the summer holidays, all of them, pretty much all of them, the whole marketing team. And then I called up and said, like, we get, we're ready to crack on with this. And they said... Um, yeah, we're all happy. We want we want to go through it. It's in my budget. Just my budget to be signed off by head of marketing. So for fuck's sake. She's telling me no one in that team can make a decision. But through the pitch process, the proposal process, the follow-up process, the meeting process, the contract process, everything's done. And the only person that can sign it off is a person that's never met me before in my life. So I think I don't think it's going to go. I don't think it's going to slide and... He always calls me up and he's like, oh, we also want to move ahead with it. And I feel like saying, well, get, move ahead with it then deal with it i think in that situation if especially if they want to move ahead of it they like you they need to fight your battle for yeah, get you get on with it there's That's no there's no point you've been on the phone with the guy you've never met who you're about to charge x amount of money for and him having to go right do the same thing again but now say yeah say and, it to and, me. And, and, and but it sounds ridiculous but like you just assume that when you're in a pitching process with five other agencies 
and you go to London and there's six, seven people in the room that are all in marketing, you assume one of them's going to make your decision. But the person that the decision wasn't there. And that's baffling to me. So I might have, that's an amateur one, I think. But at the same time, you can't really be like, it's kind of hard because you can't really be like, is someone that can make a decision in this meeting? Like, that's a bit rude, right? It's t- we'll see. I'll keep you on the, I'll keep you guys in the loop if we get that one or not. But it's a pain in the arse, man. Well, it, from what it sounds like, it sounds like you're the front runner. You just need to make sure. We are. Yeah, he said, he said, there's no one else on the table now. We've got rid of everyone else. It's just you. And I said, look, mate, this campaign has to start 1st of September. Like, otherwise we start losing. And now it's what? The 11th, 12th? It's the and, 11th. It's not, and it's not even signed off yet. It's not even signed off yet. So we'll be starting this probably, luckily, October, when everyone in the competition is about a month to six weeks ahead of us. Amateur, man. Amateur. Amateur. But who knows? I don't know. It's a pain in the ass. You know, speaking of pain in the asses, um, the artificial grass company. I rang up a few close contacts of mine about getting quotes for boxes because we're gonna basically gonna do like an unveil box. Um, so I rang a few people for boxes. No, trying to charge me nine quid for a box. I was like, that just seems obscene. Nine pound for a box is obscene. So I called up someone else, a client of ours, and I said, look, you guys do boxes. How much are they gonna cost? And he was like, forty-five p Pete, a box. If you buy a hundred, I was like, what? How can there be such disparity between, you know, they couldn't print, so the first company could print on them, the second company couldn't print on them. So I was like, okay, well, clearly there's something wrong here. Uh, I'd assume the first company just outsourced it to someone else. So I went on the internet, asked for a few recommendations. I found the company that can do it for us. 90p a box printed, fully printed, 90p a box delivered in whatever quantity I want. That's what we're talking about, you know, and, and you know, always shop around. I think, you know, we always talk about trust and having someone we want to trust and stuff and go to, but... You know, if you trust someone, but they're not the right fit, it's irrelevant. It's like, yes, I trust them to make my boxes, but not a £9 when there's someone else's £1.10. You know, I think there's, there's an idea of, like, trust drives everything in business, and absolutely trust does drive everything in business. But having some trust to the point that doesn't rip you off is very, very important. So you know, I trust you, but I don't trust you to take £9 for a box. And I think we just have to do a bit of shopping around to make sure we're not getting mugged up every single time because we trust someone a, a great amount. So, um, thank God. I was getting really concerned, though, mate. When I saw that, you know, these boxes, which were given away for free, are going to end up costing me, like, £20 to send out. And I was like, this, the maths are going to be bad on this. But now we're back down to about £8 to send these things out total, which is more like it. Um, I feel like having your circle of people that you trust, you've worked with before, you you go, you, like, you give them the first call if you need a box, for example. Yeah, first dibs. <clears throat> Like you say, great if they can do it and it's reasonable. You'd even take like a slightly higher cost because you rate them. Mm-hmm. You're, you're friends with them. You're, you've got a good relationship. But yeah, the difference between £9 and 45p is a bit... Yeah, it's crazy, isn't it? I mean, yeah. it's like, I'm going to I'm gonna have to give them a call back and be like, look, mate, either your prices are wrong or you're, you're straight up mugging me off. Like, you can decide which one it is. Um, but I just want to let you know. Because you know, think about the amount of business he's losing. That's leaving money on the table. Um... Yeah, because I suppose you're you're more likely to I'm not to buy it from go me. for it because yeah. it's because so of who some, it is. Imagine someone who it isn't. So, so yeah, if someone's just googling, oh, I want boxes, and someone's nine pounds, someone's forty five p. Crazy. That's not even a not even a debate, is there? Yeah, crazy. Um, speaking of price, I'd increased on the side project a little bit of an in- insight. I just increased the price of every product less than forty quid by fifty percent. That yesterday on the train. Um, this is the one where we can't do too much talking. Yeah, about, but I just thought you know, just price is very important. You know, um, making that extra few pounds on margin, it goes straight to your bottom line, straight to your profit. Um, so I can see why he's done his nine quid. If he's, if he's paying 40p for him. So um, with this increase of, would you say 15%? 15. 
Is that because you were by far the cheapest on the market, losing money? Uh, or is it no, just because... it, was, it was because um, margin after everything was too tight. Um, we were hitting 30% margin, give or take. Um, but after we spent a little bit on bits and bobs, it was kind of down to 20%. Uh, margin is what keeps the business going, in my opinion. So increase the price, was concerned that we're going to lose market share, lose the growth we've been, we've been having. And um, yeah, we sold two products that we had increased yesterday, so fine. So are you now decidedly more expensive than a lot of the oh, competitors? Oh, yeah, we're more expensive than other competitors. Um, but what's the reason for people then to choose that? You hope you win in one of their areas, right? You hope you win on marketing and being in front of the right customers because now I can spend being in front of the right customers because I've got the margin. You hope you win on brand and your appearance and how trustworthy you are. You hope you win on speed of service and delivery and customer service and you hope you win in other areas. You know, I've always said the most important thing is you know, don't try and build a track and actual business. Try and build like a you know, a, a relationship, a, a long-term plan. Um, there's some products on the site we actually lose money on, which you know, in the documentary we will explain. We lose money on some products, um, and this one we make a lot of money on. Um, and the, yeah, got off, uh, without I don't want to give the game away too much, but um, got off the phone yesterday with a supplier who's now given us access to 11,000 products. Um, so I've got to be very careful which ones we promote, which ones we sell, and we're running 50 percent margin on those. So that's really nice. So yeah, it's lots going on. Good fun. Artificial grass has taken some time. Here's an interesting one. Um, my main supplier is just ignoring me for artificial grass. The one that we were going to go for, the yeah, cheaper I'm one? I'm, or? Really confu- I'm really confused. No, the more expensive one. Oh, the more expensive one. I'm really, com- I'm really confused. I don't, I don't understand. So it's, I, don't, I don't know how much I've given away for this artificial grass thing because we were very transparent with this business. I messaged him directly first. He's fanning me around. And I hope he listens to this podcast because he understand that I'm slightly pissed off. Fanning me around, so I thought, you know, fuck you, I'll go to LinkedIn. So I went to LinkedIn, and all of you, if you see my LinkedIn, you'd see me going, anyone know any officers of grass suppliers? People recommended him. So then he got back on my DMs, I was like, yeah, Pete, I'll pick this up for you. So no worries, mate. Came in, saw us, as you'll see in the vlog, and then gave some prices, and I said, right, cool. And I texted him, we're good to move forward, mate, just need some, uh, just need some move on prices. Nothing. So I emailed him, nothing. Messaged him on Instagram, nothing. I'm thinking, hang about it, I'm trying to buy, I'm literally trying to buy from you. These people I don't understand. You know, you go to these meetings and stuff, and people are like, you know, I just really need more business, mate. And you, you literally sat there with it on a plate. So, and they, and they were stupid about it. Interior designers, right? I know three interior designers, right? We've gone for one of them, one that I didn't know, right? I now know, so I know two others. I messaged one of them because they're a friend on Facebook saying, hi, and such, we're back to my offices, need an interior designer. Um, Brad, can you send Brad an email? He's he's dealing with it. Yeah, Pete, no worries. Absolutely love to do that. Did she email Brad? No, did she not? Didn't email Brad. So then Brad go. Brad comes down to me, says, "I'm right, oh, Pete. So who's the interior designer that you recommended?" And I said, "Oh, this girl. But she, has she emailed you? No." I said, "All right, mate. What's my recommendation? Gone. So who do you want to use?" And he goes, "Oh, no, this girl." I they think left thousands on the table. Thousands. There just needs to be a sense of urgency. Like and it's not even that. It's like. These businesses are the size they are for a reason. Now, their output, and they'll sit there in meetings, in marketing meetings, normally with people like me and you, and they'll go, Pete, I don't get it. Our, our branding's really good. Our website's really good. Our product's really good. We've got great great testimonials from our clients. I just don't know why we're struggling. I don't know why our business isn't growing. And then you'll turn around and go, maybe it's because you don't deal with people <laughs> that come in. Maybe it's because when people ask you to buy you know, 10 grand worth of artificial grass, you don't respond. Maybe it's because when someone says, can you do my interior designer, you you don't follow up. Like, I think one of the, 
having seen this stuff and seeing our clients, one of the biggest reasons brands don't grow is because they don't follow up. I think especially with the artificial grass, it's like, Madness. obviously for you, it is a complete side project. You don't need it to move no. a million miles an hour. So I mean, for you to sit on your email for a week with it, doesn't matter too much. But if this is someone who's just decided to go all in and they need that reply tomorrow, they're gone. They've gone to someone else. Well, here's another one. So the supplier I got the 11,000 products from, I called them last week and then this week they got, they got it all done. And I said, would you mind sending me a CSV file so I can manage the data? Oh, yeah, yeah, no worries. But yeah, no worries. People get the data sent. No, didn't send it. So three days later, I was like, mate, can I have my data? Then he sent the data a day later. Like, there is no urgency. In, but I don't understand. Like, when I say something, I am on it like an absolute, like, I am everywhere for that thing because I want to get it done. Every day that it doesn't happen is a day behind. It's like this, this side project. Like, you know, we're probably going to fight this. It will probably work, this project. I don't know. Maybe it will, maybe it won't. But... You will see how fast we're moving. Like, ch like I will spend four hours in the evening trying to figure out how to code a button, which then we will see the next day. It has like 20 uses in one day. And I spent four hours figuring it out. And if it didn't work, fine, but it did work. And it's we've got to keep innovating and moving forward so fast because otherwise someone else is doing it with us. And the thing you have to understand is for every person that is slow, there's someone who's fast. And I'll tell you which one wins every single day of the week. It's the guy that is running fast. And yet he may drop a few things around the edges. He may not get his descriptions right written as, as well. So he might not get his box just as, just as good. But it's there. But it's there. It's 100% complete. And the thing with 99% complete is it ain't done. So you've got the guy that's 100% complete, finished, live, and you've got the guy that's at 99%. And he'll go around saying, oh, I'm 99% there. We start the business. I'm 99% there. Yeah. And that 100 will be perfect, but if it's late, then it's already, it doesn't matter. Rubbish. That, I was, that's I the was, problem. Um, I was watching some content the other day. I can't remember whose podcast it was. And they were saying um, it's like, quant it, was, it was a quantity over quality AI discussion. And he said, I'd prefer the quantity because if it's there on time, it's there. Whereas quality, every day it's late. Not only is the quality aspect of it subjective, mm. like because someone might think it's good quality, someone might not care. The person who's been doing the quantity... That's all there. It's all done. Damn right. I love that. Whereas quality, it can be a day or two late and they don't like it. So then it's a day or two late and it's not good. Yeah, love that. And I'm, I've always been the quantity guy. Like I've always been like, let's bang it out, stick it on a wall and see if it sticks. And um, that's what's happening with this side project. So, you know, yeah, piss me off. Just I don't get it. Yeah, that's the biggest issue with businesses. Anyway, I've got a question. And I've got to call it eight minutes because we're organized here. Eight minutes. Efficient minutes. This is a weird one. The core one in a minute. Do you remember ages ago I took out RuneScape and how all that RuneScape taught me loads about business? Yeah. And I spoke about that mafia game afterwards. And I was like, oh, I play this mafia game called Downtown Mafia. I do. Yeah. And you made that really in weird like meme video. If you haven't yeah. watched the meme video, please go and type in what was happening. It was something about RuneScape. What Just type RuneScape, in RuneScape taught me about business or something on my page, and you'll see it. Basically, turned to the piss out of me. But the guy I met, the guy, so the guy went to my school, but you know when you're at school, but you're on like different sides of the playground, you never speak to each other. We both played the same game, Downtown Mafia. And now he's a marketing manager. You <laughs> couldn't make it up. So he's like, Pete, can you sort me out? Um, so yeah. It wasn't anything to do with that video, was it? I don't know, but he, <laughs> the, point, the point is, like, he's like, yeah, can you come and pitch me? So he's put me in, and I'm speaking to his MD today to try and get it signed off. But I think that's crazy. Nice. I love that shit. Uh, questions. 
to be fair, another quick sidebar about uh, taking the piss out of you. Mm. Uh, you know, I said the other week that we were going to do like a bloopers thing. Oh, yeah. I've got a couple of episodes of those ready to go, and I think yeah, they'll be quite uh, yeah, do it, mate. interesting. Yeah, whack them out. Why not? <laughs> I don't take myself too seriously. Right, okay. Uh, this is from Alex Robbo. Um, Hi, Pete. I love the podcast. I was just wondering what question you wish people who wanted to start a business ask you more, which I have not thought about it at all. First of all, um, he found us through YouTube. And then he'd come across the podcast. And I rate that. I rate that. I asked, you know, how did you hear about it, which is obvious. It's usually the other way around. The yeah. podcast is usually the discovery content mm-hmm. for the YouTube. Yeah, so. I rate that. So he found it on YouTube and then came across the podcast. So thank you for coming across, Alex. Appreciate it. Big question people wish to ask more. So someone comes, what question to start a business? I think the, the big one, the big one, the big one, the big one, is I get asked stupid questions, which I know sounds terrible. And... Um, don't hate me for this, Alex, but people ask me stupid questions like, um, how should I do this, 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 this? And then you go, okay, cool, what are you doing? And they go, oh, I'm thinking about starting this business. And I'm like, okay, first issue, start. So the thing I wish everyone did in their business was to actually just start. And I don't even care if it's a, a Wix website with a domain name and some text on it. You've started. That's the most important thing. You could ask me every question in the world about margins, about profit, about investment, about which product to choose. You can ask me every single question in the world. But there are so many people that will sit on that information and they'll do exactly what Sam just said a minute ago, which is, oh, I'm 99% there. You need to be 100% live. Just get started. And I don't even care if you're doing e-commerce, right? And here's a, here's a little secret. Um, when I launched my last, my first ever e-commerce business, um, I was buying the products on, on eBay and then I was selling them on my shop for you know, stupid margin. I'm talking like four pounds to 40 pounds. You know, I was just making a lot of money. I could make like stupid money margin. And I did that for I was at university. I would buy them from eBay. They'd send them to me. I'd put them in my own bag and I'd send them out at the margin. Now, what did it take me to do that, that business? I went on to essentially Shopify. It's called 3D Cart back in the day. 3D Cart. I built a website, I paid them 25 quid a month, and I was, I was on, I was live, I started. And how much stock did I have? I had none, I was buying it from eBay. I'd literally buy it from eBay, and then I'd repackage it and send it out. And I remember me and the guys at uni, there was one guy, one of my mates called Tyler, who lived in the flat in, the flat in first year, and every day we'd walk down to the shop together. I'd go to my student post box, I'd get the product, I'd go to, um, I'd pack it, and we'd walk to the post office to send it. And that's how raw it was, we'd do that every day. Uh, and we'd started. There was no faffing about about getting suppliers. I didn't have to go and do what I did for this side project, which is calling suppliers and getting rejected over and over again. I literally went to eBay. I typed in the products I wanted, and I just margined it up. I did that time and time again. And the thing that everyone asks is always the complicated question and not the basic question, which is, Pete, how do I start? So any question, you tell me what sector you want to go into and say, how do I start? That is the question everyone should ask is, how do I start? Not, how do I make money from this? Not, um... I'm making this much if i'm making this much money how much should i invest in not which business partner should i choose it should be the straight and simple answer how do i start because if you don't start the rest of it is irrelevant and it's as simple as that there's far too many people who i say it all the time they're at the house party saying they're an entrepreneur telling their cousins at like like you know family gatherings you know, their entrepreneurial thing they're working on when in the reality is they are not an entrepreneur because they never started and when i say start what i actually mean is finish so start building your thing to finish don't just have an idea actually start so if it's an e-commerce business press live on that button if it's a consulting business start turning up to networking events events actually start that is the secret to all business it is starting and i really really hope just from an educational piece that these things happen 
the strat continues to do its thing and keeps growing forever so you can all see that all it took was a guy to start university i hope the side project after the project is finished that we can employ someone to run it and you can prove that all it took was me starting in the evenings and i hope the artificial grass actually works as well because then you can see that all it took was a guy to sit in a room one day and go fuck it i launched an artificial grass company and that if those three things work, it proves, it literally proves that all you have to do is start. It's simple as that. All you have to do is start. So, Alex, great question, mate. Really appreciate it. Hit me up with a, a book you want. Actually, if you haven't read Key Person of Influence, uh, message me on Instagram and I'll send you a copy of Key Person of Influence out because I've got another copy now from the event yesterday. So, it's, it's brand new. It's impeccable. Is it signed? Didn't get it, I didn't get it signed, mate. I, I was not fangirling <laughs> um, after the two hours of sales pitching. I want to get Danny Preach on the on the podcast, even though I've just bitched about him. Um, he's a cool guy. He knows his, he knows his shit, man. He's he's a very clever entrepreneur. Um, so, yeah, thanks for listening, everyone. Really appreciate it. Um, if you pass this podcast to anyone else, I really, really would appreciate it. And what I mean by that is, you know, we've done... How many episodes have we done now? We're on episode 29, mate. So this is 29 episodes of Behind the Journey. Find your favorite episode. And uh, I got a message from Sean um, on Instagram the other day who said, look, I've been listening to your podcast since day one. And he said, the most amazing thing to see now is how each episode creates like a new thing and it always rolls into it. So he said, like, the artificial grass thing is like, we know the journey now. We've seen it from the day one. He was like, um, the, the big giraffe that you're buying for the office is now a thing now. He's like, he likes how it's like, we drop these things in randomly, not through like purpose, just from me and Sam talking on a, with a speaker in front of us. And, and it just kind of continues on. So find your favorite episode and please just pass it to one friend. That's all I ask. I'm all about growing this podcast. I want to show you what it's like these next 10 years in business. But I also want to show you this next change, which in October the 15th is the date we move into our new office. And that is literally about four weeks away. In four weeks time, this whole thing will change and you'll see... What we're creating is essentially a jungle. So as always, I appreciate listening. I love you for passing on the message. And I'll speak to you next week.